If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Call's cloud business phone service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. All right, folks, you are listening here to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Email Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. You can email thoughts, opinions, questions. Yes, I'll even accept your adoration and praise, and it is good. Good to be here uh, this morning. So I want to actually, um, I guess there's a couple things that we want to do here today. I want to talk um, a little bit about this GameStop um, situation, this GameStop short-selling Wall Street versus Main Street uh, situation that we have and kind of explain it because I got to be honest, I didn't understand all of it at first. This is not something I'm uh, an expert in. I, I've I've studied and read into these things before and I follow it a little bit, but not to the degree uh, to be able to just, uh, I, there were some things I wasn't sure about before we, I wanted to talk about it here. So I want to talk about that briefly this morning. Also, we have a an interview with our good friend Jay Height of Shepherd Community Center that we're going to share with you here as the program unfolds today. Uh, but let me start here by talking about what's happening with GameStop, what's happening with uh, this commotion about GameStop, Robinhood, TD, Ameri- uh, TD Ameritrade, short selling options, all this sort of stuff. And I want to try to explain it. And in fact, yesterday, I need to give credit where credit is due here. Um, I was listening to Rush, and he did a fantastic job, I think, articulating and explaining this. In fact, I never do this, but I will do it for the great <laughs> Rush Limbaugh. If, if, if his show yesterday um, was was very informative on this. We won't be able to get into it. As as much um, and, and it's worth listening to if you if you haven't heard it, try to find it. I don't know, whatever. But um, anyhow, GameStop. So huh, okay. So when you're and I folks, I know we have a variety of listeners. We have folks who can explain this much better than I'm about ready to. We have folks that don't don't have any real experience or idea as to what's happened here. But here goes. This is an explanation of of what all this is is about and 
and to Russia's credit, he connects this um, even to the political world, which I think was was brilliant. And I want to share that. And again, I want to, um, I want to give credit to, to him for for really making this point. And I want to I want to echo it and add a little bit to it and, and explain it from my perspective too. But so, um, GameStop, as you know, is a publicly traded company. Um, and so the stock was at a certain amount. I don't have the, the amount in front of me. Let's say the stock was at, just say for kicks and giggles, $10 a share. So Wall Street, Wall Street uh, hedge funds and so forth, they, they spend a lot of their time betting against or for certain stocks. So there's options trading, Options, so there's there's two, there may be more types. I'm familiar with two, a call option and a put option. A call option is when you purchase, hang with me, this is maybe a little challenging to talk about over radio, but hang in there. A call option is when you purchase the right but not the obligation to buy a stock at a certain price. So if you think that the stock is going to be going up, you can buy a call option so let's say it's at 10 bucks. Let's say you buy the the $10 call option when the stock price goes to 1250 or whatever it would go to, you still own the right but not the obligation to buy that stock at $10. So you can immediately buy it. Um, and there's of course a premium attached to that. You have to buy the the call option and people sometimes just trade the options, right? They're not actually even buying ever buying the stock. They're just buying and selling the rights to buy and sell stocks at certain prices, if this is making sense. So within a certain time frame, these are, um, you know, I, I buy the right, I purchase the right to purchase a stock in the future at a certain price. So there's a time time frame, and there's a, an amount tied to this. So by March 31st, I can buy this stock at this price, period. I've, I've purchased the right to do that. Likewise, on the flip side, there's put options. Put options are when you, as the seller, or as as the buyer of the put, I guess, have the right but not the obligation to put that stock to someone else, to sell it to someone else at a certain price within a defined time period. So if you think a stock is going to go down, you want to buy the right to sell it to someone at a higher price. So if you buy the $10 put in this example – and the stock goes down to seven or five or two or a dollar fifty, whatever. Um, you own a valuable option, and you can make money off of that. And there's lots of different ways to do it. And I don't want to get into that. I'm not a day trading expert or anything like that. I just want to give you the lay of the land here. So what Wall Street did? What Wall Street did? They said that GameStop was going to go down. This has also happened. Um, with a couple of other stocks as well. AMC is one. I think Bed Bath & Beyond maybe is on there. I think there's another one too that's uh, AMC. Did I say AMC? <clears throat> the movie theater. So these researchers have said, hey, we're going to bet against these stocks basically. So whatever you think about options trading and all that sort of stuff and this talk about Wall Street betting against you know companies to succeed and all this stuff, just remember – there's always someone that that is on the other side of this transaction. So these researchers, these experts, and all these, these analysts are basically 
taking bets that someone that's going to hurt some individual investor somewhere along the way, right? Um, who's taking the other position, basically? So they're, they're if they think the option the stock's going down, we're well past the the, the age where we're simply saying invest in a stock that you think is going to increase in value. Now we're playing the market and we're betting against whether it goes up or down. We want to profit even when someone else someone else's business goes down. I'm not making a judgment on that. I'm just telling you what's going on. So so but if you if you take a big enough position in short selling, which that's what that is, is you know, you're basically in the short term looking to make a profit off of selling um you know in this case from someone's losses, perceived losses, you have to make that public. So there's a Reddit board Right, and some of you may know all about this. Some of you may know nothing, but Reddit is a place. It's a it's an online community. You can join these groups, and people share information and communicate. And they got together and they said, "Hey, we we can see this position that they've taken. Why don't we jump into the mix and fight back against this? Why don't we all start buying the stock and dri- driving the stock price up?" So what happened is they all jump they jump into the market and they buy this stock. So the analysts, the hedge funds, Wall Street bet that it was going to go down, but because of all the activity and uh, buyers, the demand, it drove it up. So what additionally fueled this is to stop to stop the upward trend of the stock being driven up. Well, to, to I guess that's not correct. To, to hedge their bets when it was going up, these brokerage firms, these hedge funds would then buy it as well, further escalate driving the price up so to hedge their bets and to protect protect against the losses because again if you buy a ten dollar put and the price is suddenly 38 145 whatever this thing has gotten to um you want to own the stock on the so so you're you're now you're in on the gains right you lost money on the put the short sell but you're trying to hedge your bets and protect against some astronomical uptick that you're not a part of as well so that's basically what happened and then and then these places like robin hood td ameritrade they basically stopped the individual investors ability to purchase these stocks and that's the whole point that's what rush was getting at so his point was his point was this is a microcosm of how of how government has really been treating its citizens as well it's okay for the DC insiders to be able to place these bets and to make massive amounts of money off of, you know, companies not doing well or whatever the case may be. It's okay for the swamp to do whatever it does. But the average person tries to organize a Tea Party group. The average person tries to organize and, and fight back. They won't have anything to do with it to the point to where, to the point that we've gotten where TD Ameritrade. And Robinhood says you can't buy certain stocks, but these these brokerage firms, these hedge funds can. I should say hedge funds, not brokerage firms, but you get the point. So that is – think about that. Think about that position, right? Think about political speech. AOC, for example, can say that Ted Cruz tried to murder her three weeks ago, which she said – she doesn't want to work with Ted Cruz because of that. He tried to murder her three weeks ago. But yet President Trump, when he was on Twitter, could not say um, what he was saying about the election results. Can't have that. But AOC, perfectly fine. AOC is A-OK. 
to say that she can, uh, that Ted Cruz is trying to murder her. Now, there's a lot more to this point, and but I just wanted to get through. The, it's it's kind of in the weeds. Some folks may know, again, much more about it than me. I'm not an expert, but I think that's a pretty fair assessment. I may have not, not gotten the detail precisely right, but that's a pretty fair, I think, depiction of what happened, what's going on. Uh, there's other st- there's other stocks that this is be- going to become a trend, and folks folks are afraid, right? And in, in in Wall at Wall Street on Wall Street, they're afraid of the ramifications here. Man, if we just can't take bets anymore um, without having some sort of a um, you know mechanism to protect us, if if folks organize against us, um, that's that's a problem. So let's silence. The people, let's keep their ability from organizing and, and taking these bets as well. I mean, it's, it's, it's a remarkable situation if you think about it. It's okay for one group to do it, but it's not okay for another. If you're in the, in the right group, you can do it. You can partake and participate. If you're in the other group who understands what's going on as well and simply fight back against them, you can't do it. Boy, that sounds very familiar. And again, I want to give credit where credit is due. This connection and a lot of this uh, helping and explaining it to me came from the great rush, uh, Limbaugh, and and a lot of other research and reading I've done too. But there is something to be taken from that, and I think it's well worth our time to think about that and to realize um, that this is a microcosm for an even larger picture than what we've been seeing happening on Wall Street versus Main Street. This applies to our political lives. This applies to the political class against the citizen class here in the American uh, the American landscape that we have today. And so it's it's not the way it's supposed to be. If one group can do it, then another group should be able to do it as well. Don't cry crocodile tears for me when someone uses your strategy and tactics against you right same thing goes for political speech when the radical left can do what they do and say what they say about you and me calling us racists and homophobes and all these sorts of things it's perfectly okay for us to use the same freedom of political speech to make points about them as well to raise questions about their integrity as well to raise questions about their pathetic deplorable reprehensible even ideas that don't work as well but they don't want that because they don't want free debate just like the hedge fund folks don't want the opportunity to lose money for someone using their tactics against them these folks don't want the opportunity to lose power to arise they want you to be sitting there quietly letting them dictate and rule and being able to have certain privileges that you do not have this is not american this is not what freedom looks like if it's good for one it's good for another and i've got to take a break So much more to say about this, but again, time just doesn't permit me to do so um, at the moment. Um, Anyway, if you have questions, thoughts about that, always love to hear them. Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. Quick timeout is in order. When we get back, I want to share a conversation I had with you with our friend, Jay Height, Executive Director of Shepherd Community Center. Be back here in just a minute. So, 
So short segment here. I know I said interview this segment, and we'll. I just got to keep us on time, and I was looking at this during the break. So really short segment, but Oz was asking me, you know, so, you know, help, what, what's, I guess, to hammer home the point again, why, are, why is the, why is everybody on the Wall Street side mad at this? Because they're losing money, right? They've had tactics used against them that they've been employing against the markets, um, and against you could say against the average the average person that's trying to buy stocks they've had the the big money of Wall Street betting against them um, and they've been you know the folks on the inside don't like the people on the outside having a level playing field right I mean that's really what this comes down to if it's good enough for Wall Street to do why can't Joe Schmo do it why? Well, it's because now suddenly markets are being manipulated. Okay, what was happening before? What was happening before, right? I mean, if you're going to open this up, and this is the way that this is going to work, this is the sorts of trading you're going to allow, and everybody follows the rules, and everybody sees because you have a you've taken such a, a large position in betting against a particular stop, a stock in this instance, GameStop. Why can't other people say? We want to get together and bet for GameStop. Vote against, bet against you. And we've got enough of us to make a difference. We don't really like what you're doing. We don't, you know, we want to be able to make a bet just like anybody else can. Why can you do it and we can't? That's really what this comes down to. And it's why the left, it's why the political class likes to be able to go to media and go to social media as well and to say what they want but not have you say what you want in return you can't say that because they don't like to be maligned or they don't like to have you explain their positions in your own words they don't want you criticizing that they want the praise the adoration all that kind of stuff they like the power they don't want that power structure to be disrupted same thing here if it's good for one group why isn't it good for another we literally have we literally have td ameritrade and other other platforms that do not allow people to buy this stock now been shut out unless you're a hedge fund you can continue to do whatever you want to do there if you're a dc or a wall street insider but the the analogy is true and again i want to give credit where credit is due um, this is, I mean, Rush was first articulating this yesterday. I'm, I mean, I've had my own spin on it and so forth, but I want, you know, he's, he's spent a lot of time going through different perspectives and why this is an appropriate analogy to use across the board. Anyway, that's why quick timeout is in order. Come back. We really will do the interview next segment. My apologies. I wanted to keep us on time and I wanted to address a question that Oz asked me during the break. So sit tight. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I am your host, Todd Huff, back here in just a minute. Well, for those of you that have listened to this program for any length of time, you will be familiar with our next guest, our next guest here is Jay Height. He is the executive director of Shepherd Community Center. And Jay has, um, I think one of the things that conservatism needs to be better at articulating is how 
the ideology um, addresses issues, societal issues, cultural issues, poverty, for example. And that's one of the things that Jay wants to kind of explain the way that he and Shepard address that. So, Jay, welcome to the program. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Well, we admire what you do at Shepherd Community. Um, and so you've put together, your organization has what you call the 10 Assets for Breaking the Cycle of Poverty. Maybe give us an overview of that, and then we'll dive into the, I guess, the first asset at that. But what, what, is this, what does this mean, the 10 Assets for Breaking the Cycle of Poverty? Well, if you think of uh, the old Indiana Jones movies, and he's trying to get away from folks who are pursuing it, and he comes up to the swinging bridge. And we would say that that swinging bridge from from poverty to a life of upward stability is the swinging bridge. And 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 the planks that that are uh, uh, that you walk across are those ten assets. And if you're missing some of them, if you're missing four or five, you just can't get across. There's just no way. Um, and so we believe it's our job to help our families build these assets in their lives so that they can move to a life of upward stability. So I won't pull you into the political fray here. I'll, I'll say what I'm thinking and what I think our audience is thinking, and you can just address the issue from a nonpartisan perspective. But so for um, you know, for conservatives or folks who believe in limited – Government and that there's a defined role. We believe that you know it's not. It's more than just throwing money at a problem, and I think that's oftentimes how uh, politicians look at this. Let's just throw more money at the problem; it'll fix it. But to your point, it's deeper, and it involves more than just that. And so, let's talk about one of those. Um, the first issue, which I um, I understand, is faith. So maybe talk about this. And, and that asset as, as it pertains to breaking that cycle of poverty. Yeah, and, and let me respond to your statement. Absolutely, uh, government has said that the way we do this is we give people money. And five years ago, I stood on the same porch that Lyndon Johnson declared the war on poverty in Martin County, Kentucky, Turkey Creek. At that time, it was the poorest county in the United States. Millions of dollars have poured into that area. It is now the third poorest area. But but 50 years to the week when I stood there on that same porch, it was falling off the house. The iconic photo of Lyndon Johnson with Tom Fletcher, the unemployed coal miner. We, His son Calvin was living in the house now and he said to me he said government's promised us a lot but nothing has changed we still don't have running water we still don't have electricity do you think the church could help us and so huh. those words uh, reverberated through me and still do what i think was well-intentioned but has been an absolute failure was the war on poverty declared by the u.s government mm-hmm. And I want to challenge the church because I think the church at that point said, okay, then then caring for my fellow man or loving my neighbor is obviously the government's responsibility, not mine. And I think we've left our responsibilities. And government is an entity. The church is people. 
And and so when when I look at you and I'm looking at my neighbor Todd and Todd's having an issue, I can figure out how best to help Todd, right? Mm-hmm. Government can't. Government has to create uh, for everyone that this equitable uh, plan. And and there are some things that government can do, but I'm going to tell you, uh, this has to be carried by the church. This is our opportunity. God commanded it, and and I think we've we've lost our way and become a little too inward focused. I think you're and, right. Mm. Yeah, and so we can criticize government, but I think we have to acknowledge that we let them take this over. This was our mandate. Uh, Christ called us to do this, and so in in moving this forward, we think the very key foundation is is faith and and it's interesting sociologists some who are not believers will say faith is absolutely the most essential part it gives you this in internal fortitude it it gives you this grit that uh uh, professor angela duckworth at university of penn writes about grit and and we believe that it's uh, at the at the very basis faith Hebrews 11.1, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And to, to be able to say to our neighbors, there's a God who loves you. This isn't just God creator, but this is a personal God who cares. And as much as I care for my neighbors, Jane and I have had the privilege the last 25 years to serve here in the Near East Side. Um, it's, it's not enough. They don't need Jay Height. They need Jesus Christ. Amen. Who can be with them through all of their problems, all of their challenges. Who who can journey, you know, the Holy Spirit is present. I believe that. And there's a popular Christian song that says, there was another in the fire. And as I engage with my neighbors, many of them whose life has been horrible for who are facing overwhelming issues, uh, the promise I have for them is not Jay Height, it's not Shepherd Community, it's Jesus Christ, and that there is another with them in the fire of life. And and so as we begin to want to uh, help our families, we don't force anyone to accept our faith. Uh, you know, a, a modern day of crusade, a modern crusade with a cup of cold water. It didn't work with swords. It's not going to work with a cup of <laughs> cold water. But what it will work with is love. Mm-hmm. And and faith is what drives us. And so it's what calls all of us, all of the volunteers and staff at Shepherd Community. It's faith. And and we're thankful for that. Uh, but we do want people to know the hope that we have. And so hope that things can be different. Hope that even amidst all of the problems of life, I can still make it. That comes only seated in, in the hope of Jesus Christ, in that faith. And so we share our faith. We don't require you to accept it, but that's who we are. Absolutely. So <clears throat> I guess how does that how does that look on, <clears throat> you know, to the, I guess the way that you would train your your team or your the folks that are involved with this what does that look like if if someone is out here listening <clears throat> who is thinking hey maybe you know I like what Jay's saying and I completely am on board with this but how do we 
How do we practically engage with those in need about this? What does that look like? It is, is it as simple as, is it sharing the gospel? Is it, is there something else that you're doing with this? Help us, I guess, understand that. You know, my wife and I, every Wednesday had the privilege to deliver food to people's homes. And we always offer to pray with them. And almost all the time they accept that. Um, and I have a standing with them because I'm, I'm meeting their physical needs. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm giving them something that they need. And I'm also present. Uh, it, it's, it isn't that they need preached at. They need love lived out. And, and I'm reminded in Luke 8 when Jesus is walking and, and the, the synagogue leader Jairus has said, hey, come, my daughter's dying. Mm-hmm. And the woman with the issue of blood reaches out and touches him. And Jesus stops. Now, she's already healed. And so the question is, why is he stopping? Because what Jesus wants for her is not just healing, but complete wholeness. And what, what Jesus wants for my neighbors is complete wholeness not just for me to deliver food. And so I don't need to preach to them, but I, I, I can reflect Christ. It, it's representing Jesus to our neighbors in tangible ways. Mm-hmm. For the kids in our programs, when, when they get a meal, they're much more receptive to hearing about Jesus Christ, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then they'll say, what, what is the hope that you have in you? And I, I think that for us, there are different ways, depending on how people are gifted and what their desires to serve are. Uh, we have a program. It's called the Paraclete Program. Paraclete is the Greek word for the Holy Spirit, the one who comes alongside to help carry the load. And so Jane and I have several families that we're, we're trying to be their paraclete. Each week we're talking to them, we're calling them, we're visiting them, we're, you know, with masks and on their porch. Uh, keeping social distance, but letting them know that they matter. And maybe someone says, you know, I, I would love to be a paraclete to someone, to just be an encourager. I, I think that as we develop relationships, it's through relationships that we're able to share the hope of Christ. Uh, our neighbors don't need judged. They don't need preached at. They need Christ lived out in front of them. That's right. That's right. Well, I have one more question, and not a, not a lot of time here. And by the way, we're gonna we're gonna do this on a monthly basis. So Jay's gonna come back and talk about each of the assets for breaking the silo, uh, cycle of poverty. So we're talking about faith here again with Jay Height, the executive director of Shepherd Community Center. Um, but but you hit on something, and I guess a, a quick response because I don't have a lot of time here. But I think one of the things that we um, I've, I've noticed even even in, say, the political world, I think one of the reasons we're facing these issues that we face is because you could say that, you know, the church has been disengaged. You could say Americans have gotten apathetic and then we, we wake up one day and we say, my goodness, what's happening? <laughs> what's happening to our, our nation? Right. And these things have been happening gradually over time. But the component to me, the common component with what you're saying seems to be that we need to be engaged and invested. And so maybe, um, and this may be stepping on toes slightly, I guess, and in a healthy way, but maybe we need as as Americans, as, as Hoosiers, uh, to really take a look at our priorities 
Um, how are we using our time? What are we really doing if, you know, to these, you know, these things that we say matter? Um, is, is that a part of this, I guess, Jay, is my question. Say that again. So basically, are we? I guess the question is: is is part of the problem exists because we've been apathetic? We collectively, and not pointing at any individual, but we these problems that the solutions aren't some third party, distant, you know, arbitrator that's going to be assigning dollars and mailing people checks, but instead, it, it it's individual people getting involved where God has planted them. Um, and I guess my question is, how much, how much of it is people are resistant to that? Or are, do, do you see that people are ready to jump in and help? Or do people, are our priorities out of whack? Those of us that can actually help and, and make a difference in breaking the cycle of poverty. Yeah, I, I think a couple things. One is people think it's the government's responsibility. So they signed off and said, nope, I, I don't, I'm not responsible for my neighbor. I think our neighbors have been so beaten down by a system that doesn't want them to live a life of upward stability and to break out of the cycle of poverty. Welfare many times is this hydraulic that sucks you in and never lets you out. You know, if you try to improve your situation, you get punished. Mm -hmm. And so you have a system that is trapping our neighbors in and then then the rest of us are saying, well, it's government's job to do it. And it's my job. It's Jay Height's job. Mm-hmm. The, the the command that Christ gave us to love our neighbor starts individually. And, and so um, it is my life call. It's my family's life call. And, and it's a privilege. But I don't care where you live, whether you're in Monrovia, whether you're in Fishers, whether you're in Carmel, Zionsville, or the inner city, the call is for us to love our neighbors. Mm-hmm. And people are hurting regardless of their income. And it's really individually for us to, to make that connection and help them. Well, very good. So, Jay, if people want to, again, get involved with what you're doing, and people can, where they're planted is, of course, you know, they people can do things on their own through their church whatever but if folks want to get on board and specifically help you how can they do that they can go to shepherdcommunity.org our website they can call us at 317-375-0203 to see maybe they want to volunteer and uh, our great leader phil edwards would be happy to help them figure out how to connect and and so go to our website or call us 317-375-0203. Awesome, Jay. Well, again, I commend you what you're doing. You do great work. Your organization is, I'm always impressed when I go over there uh, and and see the stuff that you're doing. So I want to commend you and thank you for your time. And we'll have you back in a month to hear about the next next of the uh, assets for breaking this cycle of poverty. So Jay, thank you so much for joining us, sir. Thanks, Todd. Welcome back. By the way, this program is brought to you in part by our friends at Citizens Bank. Convenient locations all around the central Indiana 
area, Avon, Canby, Plainfield, Indianapolis, Southside, Mooresville, Greenwood, Martinsville, the great town of Monrovia, Emnitz, and there's actually a second location in Martinsville as well. Citizens-Banking.com is the website, and be sure to tell them that Todd sent you. If you're looking for any look mortgages, savings account, checking account, um, check them out. Citizens-Banking.com. So I want – there's just a couple of minutes here left in the program. And one of the things – I just want to play this um, – I was looking at the things I wanted to talk about, and some of these things I just, you know, we don't have the time to get into. But I want to play this soundbite. I want to play this. I, I found this last night. Um, I just want you to, I guess, experience this in all of its glory. This is Joy Reid. Um, I saw this on Newsbusters, but Joy Reid. Um, I just want you to, to just buckle up. We're about to get a full dose of this sort of question and sort of dialogue from the media. Joy Reid, MSNBC. I don't need to say anything else about the craziness associated there, but just listen to this. <laughs> listen to this assessment and question um, that she asks um, the uh, Biden administration about, about climate change. Listen to this. It's a 180-degree turn from the science-denying previous administration, which rolled back more than 100 environmental protections, directly damaging the planet. And joining me now is Gina McCarthy, White House National Climate Advisor and former EPA Administrator. Congratulations on your new job. It's very important for the planet. You know, I always feel like if aliens ever really exist and they come and attack us, it's going to be because we destroyed the planet. That'll be our punishment, right? So talk about where we're starting. How much damage was done to the planet over the last four years? (laughs) <laughs> how much how much damage was done to the planet in the last four years and what's this talk about aliens come why would aliens come and punish us for destroying i don't understand this i kind of think aliens might be looking down and thinking how did this country elect joe biden maybe we should go punish these idiots for uh, whatever they did there maybe if they saw some of the evidence for voter fraud they might have a voice Something to say about that as well. What is she talking about? If aliens ever come and invaded our planet, is that how this works? I mean, do invading forces punish previous cultures and civilizations for what is she even talking about? For things that they had done uh, prior to their arrival. Don't they just want to come and, and plunder and take control and, you know, just take what they want? Anyway, stupid stuff on NBC, MSNBC. I got to take a break. Sit tight. Come back and wrap up here in just a minute. If I didn't at least mention that the attorney general for the state of New York is has alleged or appears to be alleging that Governor Andrew Cuomo, brother of tough guy Chris Cuomo, underreported underreported nursing home deaths from COVID by as much as 50, 50 percent. So we'll keep an eye on this, uh, where this goes, what will happen next. Who knows? Um, but it is a. Talk about an absolute disaster and just sad mess that happened in New York, especially in a nursing homes as it pertained to, to COVID, as they were blaming 
Trump and everything else. But anyway, I've got to go. Just want to make sure we mentioned that here at the end. Thanks for listening. SDG, have a good weekend. See you Monday. Take care.